Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hasia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is Power Up, a new project from NerdUp Podcast. Life can be hectic between deadlines and all that stuff to do that's horrible and all those other things to do that are really hard. Everyone has to manage intense workloads, even scientists and poets and astronauts and adventurers. So we want to know, how do successful, inspiring people set themselves up for success in an exhausting world? This week, we're talking with brothers Hari and Ashok Kundabolu, or as I like to call them, the Kundabolu Bros. Hari is a stand-up comedian. Last year, he put out a movie called The Problem with Apu, and he has a new stand-up special on Netflix. And Ashok is a TV producer and former member of the rap group Das Racist. The bros also co-host a podcast called Kundabolu Brothers, which is recorded live and includes bro-on-bro debate segments like Overrated, Underrated. Therapy. Therapy. Therapy is underrated. It is unbelievable. I'm a much better person than I was before I went to therapy. I feel like it, it's, it's somebody you could, It feels like a mix of, like, confession and talking to a really good friend mm. and a doctor. For me, personally, the therapy... Hated it. Tried it like two or three times ever. It's very sporadic. That might be part of the problem. I think so, yeah. I loved the talking. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun performance, but I'd leave and I didn't feel any unburdening. I was just like, I killed it. I answered, like, I entertained the shit out of my therapist. I told some great stories, created vivid characters in her mind, including myself. The made up version of myself. Yeah, sounds like she should pick you. I killed it. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk to Hurry and Ashok about the show. But first, how do they recharge their batteries amid all these projects they're both working on? We don't do it well at all. In fact, it's I think we're uh, very much at risk of burnout. Uh, I don't know how to stop working. I don't think Ashok does either. We recently um, got this residency at this museum in Hawaii, the Shangri-La in Honolulu. Awesome. And so they put us up in Waikiki at the fanciest hotel, and it <laughs> overlooks the beach, and it's it's so beautiful. And I think Ashok and I touched that beach once over the time we were there. Uh, I was there for 11 days. <laughs> Ashok was there for five. Didn't, what did you ask them for? Like a, a monitor. I needed a monitor oh my because God. my laptop screen is broken. So they <laughs> oh no. they put a Dell monitor in the hotel room that I was glued to for the most part. So the bulk of the time he was just editing 
in Hawaii with the window next to him <laughs> facing Does that Waikiki. mean you had to like draw the blinds and everything so you could actually see the monitor or did you at least like leave the window? No, I looked, I, 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 I'd take occasional breaks where I stood out onto this balcony but that only made it worse because I was looking out at this like gorgeousness and then I was like back to the computer and I was editing footage that's primarily on the streets of New York so it was like looking out onto this beach and then <laughs> sitting back down and editing a conversation on, on like the streets of like Red Hook. <laughs> also, there were many great meals we could have eaten, but Ashok often would stay inside and go to the 7-Eleven mm-hmm. <laughs> and get uh, Spam Masubi. I love the Spam Masubi. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. That Can you get that in New York? Absolutely not. So, yeah, that's yeah. something. That's a cultural experience. Yeah. So you mentioned that you are at risk of burnout. Yeah. Do you think you've experienced that yet? I mean, like, what does that mean? In the past? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been in places where I just, you know, I think after I, like last year, I recorded my stand-up special. Uh, I released a, a small album in the beginning of the year. Um, I filmed The Problem With Apu came out, and I, I finished filming, editing, and then, like, doing all these talk shows and touring it around and promoting it in addition to my regular stand-up schedule, especially when you're like, actually, it's more than my usual stand-up schedule because I was preparing for a special, so I was hitting the road hard. So, you know, my plan was, you know, take January off. First of all, I didn't even know how to take the time <laughs> off. Like, that's how you know you're burnt out. You don't even understand what it means to stop working. And then... Well, and when you say working, just to be clear, like, this isn't 40 hours a week that you're talking about. This is, like, constant... Yeah, that's the weird thing. I think there's this idea of, like, artists, especially stand-up comics, like, there's no work involved. And the thing is, maybe it was more romantic at some point, like... Before the internet? Before the internet. Like, things (laughs) pop into my head and I write them down and it magically turn into something on stage or whatever, right? Now it's like, uh, in some ways it's better, but it does mean that you have to promote yourself. You have to cultivate a web presence. You, you know, uh, comedians now, like, know how to learn how to edit video and create web pages and do all these different things that uh, there was a time you didn't have to do. Email, like in the old days, like your manager or agent would call you and say, hey, you got to get carried here and uh, get it. our travel agent book this and this. That's what it was. So you didn't really have to do all that. Now everything's done like on your computer or phone. So it's essentially like this weird desk job that leads to an hour of fun maybe once a week. <laughs> so it's a very strange kind of way to live. And it wasn't, it's not supposed to be a desk job. That's why so many of us do stand-up. But that's what it, it ends up becoming. And like I think a lot of people who have like freelancey kind of jobs, like there is no 9 to 5. Right. So you can work at any time, at any point. Your phone's a computer now, so you, anywhere you go, you can work. It becomes really hard to say there's nothing to do. Even if, like, none of those emails are urgent, it still feels like they are. I think, too, especially with freelancing stuff, like, there's expectation that you always have to be available. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas there are so many jobs still, I think, where you can, like, kind of clock out and actually leave your work out at work. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, if you guys are constantly working, then there's just there's no break ever. Well, especially because there's this idea that, like, what if an audition happens or this opportunity? Like when other people who have nine to fives, they're not constantly thinking, I got to be on the game in case an interview for another job comes up. I could miss (laughs) something. I could miss a new job. That doesn't happen. But when you're. You know, working in these kinds of professions, you're constantly wondering what's out there. What am I missing? And most times you're not missing anything. And you're working on your own projects that are personal to you. So how do you turn that off? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the separation between work and you is very minimal, if at all. You know, like this was my hobby. Stand-up comedy, for example, was my hobby. Like making people laugh was my hobby. And now it's my life. So what's my hobby? Mm -hmm. I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Do you really not have any hobbies? 
I tried this year. I really tried to develop a couple. The ones I have, I don't think are the best. One is I like to go thrifting. <laughs> and I like to sell my old clothes. Okay. And there's a thrift store, Black still Bear. It kind of feels like a job to it, me, In a way. Okay. <laughs> the second thing I've uh, started doing is hosting the midday show at WNYC in oh, New York. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is, again, work. I have to go to an <laughs> yeah. office and, and interview people. Well, but, and you're getting paid, right? Yeah, I'm getting paid. So it is. So I guess it's not it's, a hobby. It's a paid hobby that requires intense preparation <laughs> and focus. I'm pretty sure that's just a new job. Yeah, if ah, man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry to bum you out on that I, one, that's but how I don't bad think I am, that counts though. as recharging either. That's how hard it is for me to recharge. Where I think work is like <laughs> is is a hobby, and also like uh, traveling feels weird. Like I don't want to travel when I'm free. I travel all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that too. So, Ashok, do you have any hobbies? Um, I like to walk. Oh, that's I, a good one. So I like to go on. Three, four hours, several mile aimless walks is a huge one. The aimless walk thing Mm -hmm. is really interesting to me. It's actually so we like put out on Twitter and have been asking listeners like how they recharge their batteries. And a lot of people say it's not just walking. It's like actually walking without a place to go and just like wandering and seeing what you find as being just very helpful and rejuvenating. Right, because if you create some sort of destination or task, like I'm going to go buy tea Right, then you're running errands. Then you're running errands, That's exactly. not, yeah, that doesn't right. recharge batteries. I don't know. When I decide, like, I'm going to bring all this stuff to the thrift store mm-hmm. and I got to walk a mile and a half to get there, that's a long enough of a walk where it's like, you know, you could stumble into other thrift stores mm-hmm. on the way. But you want to avoid having some sort of traditional sense of accomplishment attached to it, which oh, you most hard. likely I still defi- do. I definitely do. <laughs> so, Ashok, what do you do? Like, do you listen to music when you walk? I try not to anymore. Really? Uh, somebody gave me, I had an old iPhone that had the original headphone in, and somebody gave me one that had the proprietary lightning thing, and I was thinking about buying the adapter, and then I decided not to, because I wanted to be more present. And, and you know, Which for years I noticed, like, we're all bubbling off. I'm on the train. There's 20 yep. different people yeah. in their own reality. Yep. And I didn't want to be part of that anymore. And I found that to be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I think about a lot is just, like, physical distance from my phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah. it's so often literally within reach. I remember the last time I felt free from that. <laughs> was, Just in general. <laughs> well, it used to be airplanes, right? Yeah. Except now you can text uh, on airplanes now yep. for free, which is absurd. But um, <laughs> I, re- it was, I was in Vashon Island uh, off the coast of Seattle sometime last summer for a day. And I barely checked my phone. I left it in the house and uh, we rode a, is it a canoe or a kayak, the one that's uh, more like a boat and less like a, a canoe. Canoe, yeah. And we, we rode a canoe, me and my friends, and we had picnic on a little hill. And then we rode <laughs> back and then I checked my phone. Mm. So that's a lot. I felt pretty good. And did you miss anything totally life-changing in the course of that? Nothing. Yes. Nothing. Honestly, like, and whatever popped up on that phone later, I don't remember. But I'm going to remember, like, taking a, was it a canoe or a kayak again? Canoe. (laughs) A canoe (laughs) to that hill. Do you keep your phone on do not disturb? That's that's a good one. What does that mean? Uh, I don't it doesn't ring or uh, it, it vibrates. It doesn't have to. But your phone doesn't make a sound when you get a message or it rings. So you you choose to check it intermittently. But does does that matter? I feel like I would check it anyway. I, f- I actually feel like sometimes when I do that, then I just check it all the time. Because I'm like, well, what happened? Did something else happen? I don't know because it's not making noises. So I guess I should check and see if anything mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, but, and also if you're addicted to Twitter, it, it, the 
doesn't matter if something's happening or not because something's right. always happening. Yeah. Ooh. Like, did anybody in the world say something? Like, that's <laughs> going to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. It's always yes. <laughs> I primarily check my emails in the morning on computer, and one thing I started doing was shutting down the computer after a night's work. Whoa. Because instead of waking up and, 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 and getting at the screen now, I'm like, oh, I have to turn it on and hear that sound and, and see the Apple icon. Instead, why don't I make tea and think about how I feel for 10 minutes and talk to my partner? Man, wow. that's, a, that's a good one. 10, 15 minutes in the morning for yourself. That's yes. another thing for me as somebody who's single. Like, I feel like it's easier to get activated when you have a partner just because there's someone already there. Because if you're single, you should, I got to make plans. I got to figure this out. New York, it's, it's a very big city that can feel really lonely because it's busy. It, it, people have their own things to do. It's It's... You know, the trains are great, but it's also fairly spread out. So you really need to plan ahead of time. Um, and I feel like that ends up, you know, leading to me just being by myself watching Law & Order. Mm. It's always <laughs> Law & Order, Greta. It's always Law & Order. I've seen, I feel like, almost all of them. Like, yeah. I know, like, a lot of times I even, I know what's going to happen. After the break, Hurry and Ashok come to some pretty surprising conclusions about their relationship as brothers. Do you look up to me at all? No, we have completely different lives. I hate this. <laughs> I hate I'm this. Sorry, like, I didn't like bristle under I didn't mean for us to get to this. I thought, I thought we were just going to have a fun chat about the podcast. <laughs> Siblings are the worst. You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Thank you. I'm Hari Kundabolu. This is my brother Ashok Kundabolu. Hello. Uh, Ashok Kundabolu. So you will be witnessing two brothers talking to each other and occasionally acknowledging the audience. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guys decide to do this? We've been doing a live show uh, called the Untitled Kondabolu Brothers Project for eight years, nine years. And and often I feel like it was a way for us to spend time together and do something creative. And it never really went anywhere outside of the, the live show. And the live shows went from being like 10, 15, 20 people for a couple of years and the shows being quite awful, but people saying how much they liked our chemistry, <laughs> which is true. Like, like our chemistry was good even when we weren't saying anything to being this thing that, you know, we can draw 300 people to and actually is, is somewhat cohesive. So, you know, I think after seeing Two Dope Queens, after actually hearing the podcast and seeing the live show, I'm like, this is essentially what my brother and I were doing except there was no stand-up. It was two people who were very close, who had an incredible dynamic, just talking and not having to worry about set segments. It was the chemistry that was enough. Matt, while you were saying the thing I was, like, fixed on was you've been together for nine years? Like, how am I... Like, I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that you don't have your shit together. I'm just saying I have my shit. 
together. Like, mm. I don't understand. You don't understand why you're not winning in love? What? What don't you understand? Well, like, first of all, like, I feel like, like I, I have this body, which is great. Like, it, it's very... Fuck you for not clapping. I'll, t- I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I'm not, I'm not summer hot. I'm winter hot. In the winter, I'm the one. I, uh, I mean, there's also a section of the show called Ashok Tell Me the Truth. Hmm. where, like, throughout our lives, my brother has lied to me in a variety of ways from his, like, elementary sc- school years on, where I find out, like, a decade, 20 years later, the truth about a thing. And to be clear, you're the older sibling. Oh, I'm definitely the older sibling. <laughs> um, and so, like, finding out, like, oh, Ashok was never actually on the baseball team in high school. Uh, he wasn't going on road trips on the weekend. <laughs> he was hanging out in Manhattan smoking weed with his friends, and we believed, which makes sense. I never saw a uniform. I never <laughs> saw equipment of any kind. And I, I think I found out that inf- piece of information on stage. I mean, that's what kind of makes it fun is, like, I actually don't know a lot about certain eras of my brother's life. He doesn't know about certain eras of mine. And we end up sadly, I don't know if it's sad or just the way it is, but hmm. discovering things about each other in front of a bunch of strangers. Is there also some workaholic element at play where, like, you guys huh. don't spend enough time together <laughs> normally? And oh, so you're absolutely. like, oh, well, yeah. if we had a podcast, yeah. then we would have to that, come up with I, I think about that pri- as the yeah. primary reason. That really? I think, I think so. Yeah. I think initially that's what it was, right? Yeah. We just wanted to hang out, and we, this was a perfect way to do it. It right. seemed like the idea, you know, because I think we're also we're so different, yeah. but we're closer now in terms of who, who we are than, like, maybe a decade ago. Mm-hmm. But we were very much on different pages and had different lives, and so this was... This f- kind of forced us to to, to sh- be in a room. T- this is a reason to be in a room together and talk. And even before plan, the podcast, yeah. just like to set up yeah. the podcast, to work on the PowerPoint. You know, to get nervous <laughs> together, to be like backstage and anxious. To mm-hmm. after the show feel a sense that we did a thing. To mm-hmm. be upset and talk about what we did wrong. <laughs> traveling, but we traveling hotels. together. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's nice. all like part of it, but. Yeah, it's a weird way to deal with, I guess, being a workaholic and still maintaining a relationship with your family. Because <laughs> what is a podcast, essentially, is just talking, talking to a guest, just <laughs> talking to yourself and trying to make sense of things. It's talking. It's something we should be doing with people we care about regularly anyway. It's things we should be doing, like me- randomly meeting people and getting to know them. So it takes this weird form with microphones and other people. Still, it's, we're communicating, and it's nice. Did you guys always get along as well as you do now? You seem to genuinely enjoy each other's company. Yeah, we never we never really fought and stuff. Yeah. No, we, we spent much less time with each other, I'd say. In our 20s, 20s, a good chunk yeah. of our 20s, yeah. I mean, but we were inseparable as kids. Like, I, I'm older by two and a half years. And, you know, when I went to a birthday party, I would say I would only go if, if, I, if they would invite my brother, too. Even though they didn't know my brother. It was an elementary school party, you know. Um, but like, package deal. It, it was a total package deal. And there would have to be a second goodie bag for him. Like, <laughs> everything had to be a pair. Like, I, I wouldn't do things without him. And so, I, I mean, I think I was also the older brother. Like, all my friends were his friends. And all his friends were irrelevant to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't cool completely, you know... Two and a half years is not a big difference, but I think it's so established that I'm the older brother and you're mm-hmm. the younger brother. In your mind, yes. <laughs> you know, I never asked you, which is an older brother move, what is that like in your yeah. mind? Like, does that even, do you even feel what I feel like, oh, he's clearly my younger brother? Do you feel that with me? Like, yeah, I'm the younger brother and this is. All right, we've discussed this before, even on stage, where I feel like uh, in some ways your your emotional maturity level is is lower than mine. And, <laughs> oh, this is good. You're getting and, that, and that your your life experiences, while, you know, different than mine, are 
overall, I feel like there's many things you haven't experienced or done that you don't understand that I that I might. So I don't feel like you're this sage person that I go to for advice or wisdom. That's weird to me. You don't like constantly view me as uh, this is my older brother. This is my older brother being an older brother. Uh, I mean, I know that you're my older brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware that you exist. Yeah. But when you see me, you're like, oh, that's my brother. You don't constantly think about my age as being older. No. That's so weird to me. Is that yeah. right? Really? Yeah. I think that's, that's an older brother. Thing. Yeah, I think it's an old. So I'm an older sibling. Yeah. I have a younger brother. He's two and a half years younger also. Yeah. And he is my little brother, which is funny because he's also like huge. Like he's much larger than I am. <laughs> And, but he's still my little brother. He doesn't view you constantly through the the lens of a younger sibling? I, I mean, I like to think that he does. But he right? doesn't? I, I mean, I don't know. Do people know this? I think he, Do I older think siblings he might know refer this? to me as his big sister, actually. But, but the, I don't know. We started doing a thing where I would call him my big little brother and he would call me my his little big sister. Right. So you have a thing, though, if it, if it came like a, a, a thing yeah. versus like, like he doesn't. I mean, I like to think that he looks up to me as the person who has harbored him through, like, his entire life set of experiences. Do you look, do you look up to me at all? No, we had completely different lives. I hate this. <laughs> I hate I'm this. Sorry, like, sorry. I didn't, like, bristle under I didn't under the, to get to this. I thought, I thought we were just going to have a fun chat about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the podcast, you just got a glimpse of what our podcasts are like. It's stuff like this except in front of more strangers. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I really am shocked by that. Wow, I just that's really weird to me. Because to me, it, 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 the idea of you as a child, mm-hmm. I can't not think about that when I think of you. Right. I always oh. think about you as like a twelve-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot separate that image from who you are now. It's very difficult for me. Huh. Like I remember even after college, I remember we hadn't seen each other in years. I still. When we would get to a crosswalk, we'd try to hold your hand or, like, mm. prevent you from walking when I saw a car. And you, I remember once you were like, stop doing that. Right. Like, what? Like, it's Patronizing nuts. and yeah, it's, weird. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, wow. it's like it wasn't patronizing. It's weird. I'm wor- like, I'm scared. I don't want you to get hit by a car. Mm-hmm. But it's just so instinctual. But, yeah, I mean, there was those little moments like that. That was a big moment of recognition. And uh, about five minutes ago when my brother said that uh, <laughs> he didn't see me simply as his older brother was was the second big moment I mean, of my you, life. I mean, you went to college, you lived in Seattle, then you went to London for graduate school. I spent that entire period of time in New York City. What does that have with, to... With very little contact with you, so how could we have maintained this relationship? You didn't maintain you, you some have kind in of... Your head. <laughs> Yeah, over right. a decade. Think that would actually help maintain that disillusionment, right? Right. I mean, that's what it did for me. It maintained a sense of like this is the way it is. Like you didn't maintain a fantasy. You were telepathically uh, looking looking after me from abroad. Is yeah, that what you thought. Why? Oh, I, I, I thought I constantly. I as an older brother, like when I was away, like I thought about you every single day. Was worried every single day. Like that didn't. Mm. I mean, I'm still. I'm getting better at that. Mm. But I certainly was like that for you know. For every like felt like every day when I wasn't hanging out with you, I would worry. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's that never left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's your thing. You gotta worry. About. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's not wrong. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird, Greta. I didn't know any of this. Sh- All right. Wow, I had no idea we were gonna unpack this much, but I'm pretty excited about Good it. Good job, Greta. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hurry. I appreciate that. <laughs> Ashok, thank you so much for coming on Power Up. This was super fun. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank this you. was great. Yeah, now you guys fun. have to yell Power Up, bitches. Okay. I have to say the B word? <laughs> 
Do can I we, really? Can we, can we I mean, ladies? only if you want. Yeah, I, that would be a lot better, okay. probably. All right, sweet. Power up, ladies. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Oh man, those two are some of my favorites. You can see Hurry's Netflix special now. It is called Warn Your Relatives and Ashok has a show called Hey, How You Doing? Keep an eye out for that as well. So we have been hearing from you over the past couple of weeks about how you power up, but I want to get more specific. Like I am looking for your stress-free life hacks. Think of them as like power up hot tips like this one. Hey there, this is Ann Molitor, former roommate of Greta Johnson. And back in the day, we used to do this thing to prevent ourselves from getting overwhelmed from messy college dorm rooms called the 10 minute tidy where you turn on some tunes, hang out with your roommate, and tidy up your room. However far you got, you just called it good. But inevitably, you'd end up just tidying your whole room, and it would be great. I still use it to this day. Thanks, Greta. Thanks, Annie. I'm just saying, if you need some tunes to try out this 10-minute tidy situation, Janelle Monae's You Make Me Feel is 3 minutes and 50 seconds. Lizzo's Good As Hell is 2 minutes and 46 seconds. And Beyonce's Countdown is 3 minutes and 32 seconds. That adds up to 10 minutes and 8 seconds. You are welcome. I do my head toss. Check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? So what hot tips do you have? Something you do to make chores more fun or to use your time off better? Maybe like me, you might delete your Facebook app off your phone. I did that about a year ago, and I swear to God I am a better human because of it. Let us know with a tweet at Podcast or like my college roommate, Anne. You can record yourself, record your hot tips on your phone, and email the audio file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. The show is produced by me, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. Our coach is Trisha Bobita. If you are wondering about Trisha, she is recharging her batteries herself right now. How is she powering up? This week to recharge my batteries, I tried for the first time ever hot yoga. That is also the last time ever that I will try hot yoga. <laughs> I don't believe that it happened, but I look forward to hearing more. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. Our intern is Stefania Gomez. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on NPR One or listen in the WBEZ app. It is also super extra magically helpful if you leave us some stars on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to Vicky B for the review. There are four E's in the word Vicky B, which I appreciate very much. Give us maybe four stars, even though five stars is better. But whatever, man, it's totally cool. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at NerdAppPod. We have a newsletter. You're going to like it a lot. You can sign up for that at wbez.org slash nerdette. And our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Power up. I may have to make it my life's work to stop other people from trying hot yoga because what is happening in hot yoga? Why would anyone do this to themselves? Yoga is hard enough. This room is a temperature that is not fit for man nor beast. Everyone should know if they're considering yoga, do it at a normal temperature. Seems much more rational to me. That's all I have to say about that. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.